Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. A listener production. The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall. And on this episode of Health Hacker, Adam McDougall is sitting down with one of the most inspiring, motivating and thought-provoking people in Australia. Her name is Taria Pitt. If you don't know her, Adam does touch on the story on what happened to her that changed her life forever. However, she's much more than the event that happened to her. Since then, she's been an inspiration for so many people around Australia, and she's written a book about what are the guides to happiness and to help inspire all of us even further. So, of course, Adam, being the curious man he is, wanted to hack into how she wrote this book, what she lives by, and how she can be happy and motivate so many people when she had such a dramatic change in her life. And remember, if you want us to hack into anyone in particular, Hit up Adam directly. Email him, healthhacker at themanshake.com.au or jump onto his Manshake socials or at the website, themanshake.com.au. Adam's always giving away prize packs as well for those people who end up getting in touch and being part of the show. So without any more delay, here is Adam's chat with Taria Pitt. Thanks for um, coming on today and uh, congratulations with everything you've achieved since that time with the books and and your ability to inspire so many Aussies to live their best and happiest lives. Um, Yeah, thank you. Just for some background, people aren't familiar with your story. Can you, uh, I suppose, um, share your story and and the fact that, you know, your life dramatically changed at the age of 24? Yeah, so I'll give it, I'll I'll give you the little, uh, I'll give it to you in a little nutshell, I guess. (laughs) Um, I was 24, I was working as an engineer in the Kimberleys. I entered an ultra marathon. I got trapped by a fire a quarter of the way through the race. I received burns to 65% of my body. I got medevac, spent six months, well, actually close to two years when you count up all the rehab, in and out of hospital, uh, went through around 200 operations, managed to rebuild my, my physical body and my life. I competed at the Ironman World Championships. I've had two kids. I've written four best-selling books. I've done um, done lots of great adventure races and things like that. And now I'm a mum, a mum of two little boys. Amazing. So, yeah, it's been a pretty wild, wild decade, I guess. And, you know, we um, often don't like to look back at some of the most painful things that happened to us in life. However, one could argue that, you know, that day made you – dig deeper with inside yourself and probably achieve things at that time that as a 24-year-old you probably didn't think were possible? Yeah, I think so. Like I guess, you know, if I, I'm giving myself some grace because at, at 24 you are pretty young, you know, mm. and kind of potentially a bit naive and if I'm being honest, I was probably a bit arrogant uh, 
bit arrogant as well, but like, you know, most young people are. Um, and so I think, I really think that, you know, we only learn resilience and we only develop that mental fortitude, as you would probably know, and with your with your experiences and, and you know, your your footy career and everything, like you only manage to develop that that stamina and that those reserves of resilience once you get go through the hard times or when you get tested. So I guess at the same time, I'm an engineer, so I'm pretty logical. Mm. I don't really think too much about, oh, you know, like what if the fire had never happened or what if I wasn't there or you know, what would my life be like now? Um, I'm more of the mindset, like it, it, it happened and now the onus is on me to, to create this really great life for myself despite the adversity that I've faced. Yeah, 200 operations, like that's just uncomprehensible to most people just to imagine. But, um, you know, how, how did you get through 200 operations? That's just staggering. Yeah, and I mean, when I when I when I reel off, you know, my little bio at the start, it mm. does seem like it was kind of really easy, mm. but um, obviously it wasn't. It was really hard. It was really tough. There were some really hard days for me. Days where I felt like I wanted to give up. Days where I felt like I didn't have the inner reserves to keep going. I didn't have the resources to keep going. And so, I guess really what I did is, first of all, I think if you're having a shit time. You don't need to be able to spin it into a positive. You don't need to be able to say, you know, you don't need to be able to find the light straight away. You can just say, hey, what I'm going through is shit. What I'm going through is really crap. And that that's a really powerful place to be in. And I think when we, you know, as we were, as this sounds, but when you accept that you're going to feel those types of feelings, when you, when you accept that, you're not going to be happy all the time. You're not going to be motivated all the time. You're going to wake up some mornings and you're going to be stressed. You're going to be anxious. You're going to be pissed off. You're going to be irritated. When you accept all of those feelings, acknowledge them and own them, I find they dissipate a lot quicker. Great advice, isn't it? You know, and it's so yeah. easy these days to vicariously live our lives through social media, for example, and, you know, click onto somebody else's account and see how beautiful they look or how happy they look. And all of a sudden you're feeling these natural feelings, which you said are cyclical in nature. We aren't always going to be happy. We're going yeah. to have bad moods, which I have more often than not. My wife will tell you that. But it's accepting these and, and just dealing with what's in front of you. Yeah, and it's not about, you know, there's lots of things we can do to make ourselves feel feel good or feel happier like in my book and, you know, I know you talk a lot about exercise and you've got um, the man shakes and everything and obviously exercise is a, is a critical component of allowing ourselves to be happier and allowing ourselves to feel more balanced and, and clearing our head and resetting our mindset. So, you know, it's not it's not like we're throwing our arms up in defeat and saying, oh, yeah, well, I'm just I'm just a cranky old man and, and, and that's how I, you know, that's how I am um, because there's lots of things we can do to improve our mood and to improve our happiness. But at the same time, there's nothing wrong with feeling a bit shitty from time to time either. It's a perfectly valid human emotion. Well, how do I get your inspiration and how do I, you know, get a little bit of you to rub off onto me and everyone that's listening today? What are some of them things that you'd recommend people can do to be happier and, and make themselves better? I always feel like a bit of a wanker recommending this, but I really think, I really think like one of the things for me that has been, um, I guess, really magical for me in my life is I, I started practicing gratitude after I had my accident. And I think when you practice gratitude, when you really think about the things in your life that you're grateful for, that are going well for you right now, I think if you get into the habit of doing that, 
what does that do for you? Well, all of a sudden your brain, instead of focusing on all the things that aren't going right, instead of focusing on everything that people haven't done, all of the things that are going wrong, you're focusing on what you have in your life that's going good, that's going awesome. And I think that really helps you to build a happier and a more positive mindset. Yeah, great, isn't it? So much research around an attitude of gratitude. Can you explain, how how do you do that personally? I know that myself, I I try to do it with my kids every single night before they go to bed. I sit down and ask them three things that they enjoyed and what they were grateful for, even though they probably don't get that word yet. Um, And myself personally, I write three things down every morning that I'm looking forward to to, to doing in that day. Do you have a habit that you do yourself? Yeah, I just think of three things and I try to do different things, right? So my brain's not just on autopilot. I try to do different things that I'm I'm grateful for that day. Um, I really like though how you have the three things that you're looking forward to because I I, every morning I ask myself like what would make today good or what would make today great? And then whatever it is, whether that's, you know, going to a zoo class in the morning or picking up my kids from preschool and taking them to the beach or um, having a coffee with a girlfriend, whatever it is, I make sure I try and do it. And that, for me, that really makes me look forward to my day and, and relish it a little more. And I think, you know, our lives are comprised of our day. So if we're looking forward to each day and we're, we're getting enjoyment out of each day, um, we should really be enjoying our lives more and getting more enjoyment out of it as well. Oh, well, that's a great piece of advice, isn't it? Giving people an attitude of gratitude to start their day. What other little hacks do you have for happiness? I really think like how we start our day really affects how our day goes. So I think, you know, the mornings where I have practiced gratitude, I've been really mindful and intentional about how I'm spending my time. I don't, pick up my phone first thing in the morning and start scrolling and start getting sucked into that 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 feed of comparison and negativity in and you know I don't flick on the news and start thinking about all the bad things that are going on in our world I'm I'm consciously spending my time with my kids and with my family and enjoying my coffee and thinking about what I'm grateful for um I think if we start our mornings in a really positive way then you know, most of the times our day runs a lot better. But while I was writing my book, I I discovered a really interesting piece of re- research that making your bed is correlated to being happy. And I found that really like eye-opening because I've never been someone who made my bed. Mm. I've always been like, no, I've got too much shit to do. Like I'm busy. <laughs> I'm not going to spend 10 seconds making my bed. But um, the research shows like, you know, if you make your bed, that's one small thing in your day that you have control over that you've done right and if you can make your bed maybe you can drink two liters of water and if you can drink two liters of water maybe you can go for a 20 minute walk and if you can go for a 20 minute walk you know maybe you can do all of these other things so yeah if you don't make your bed yet adam i i highly recommend that you start doing it now it's a great tip yeah i do and actually we've spoken about on the podcast before and the person that actually got me onto that is my brother-in-law who um, trains, uh, is in the army, trains all the SAS guys and whatnot. And uh, he um, stayed at my house and um, I got up and the bed was immaculate. And I said to him, geez, you know, thanks for making the bed. He said, I do this every single morning. I said, why is that? And he said, well, it gives you a sense of achievement first thing in the morning. Yeah, with yeah, that yeah. that comes momentum and that sense of, yes. yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's crazy. Huh? And then like if you have a shit day, yep. you come home, at least your bed is made, you know? Yeah. Well, it's true, isn't it? My wife gave me this analogy as well. When we first started dating back in the day when I had hair, she got in my car and went, how the hell do you drive this messy car? Look at the crap in it. 
And she goes, don't you ever just have a bad game or a bad day at training and get in your car and just think all of a sudden everything's crap because your environment's crap, it's out of control, it's chaotic. And I went, That's, I never thought of that. So my wife was always a big believer in, you know, you controlling your environment helps control your attitude as well. So, you know, I often say to people, if you have a bad day, it's not a bad life. And if you can control the controllables, that then gives you a sense of control over things that are in your control when things aren't often in your control. So, you know, if you if you oh, control totally. your environment, it, it's very important, isn't it? So making your bed, what a great little tip for people out there. And, yeah, that uh, is a good one. That is ha- a good one. How do you do it with your kids? Because, uh, you know, big challenge in the morning, my household, there's a lot of screaming, a lot of yelling, a lot of negotiation. Everything's in negotiation with my three and four-year-old. It's like, okay, brush your teeth and I'll give you this. Eat your breakfast, I'll give you this. Get dressed. Yeah, I know. It's, how do you I know. It's, stay it's, it's hard with kids, right? Yeah. And, you know, we're uh, at the moment I sleep with our toddler who's three. My husband's sleeping on the couch. Uh, it's not because he's on the dog box, but I think he likes <laughs> like, He probably the, enjoys um, it. He's not getting That's the only little bit of space that he gets away from all of us. <laughs> and the baby is in the other room. And so in the morning it's not like I open my eyes and drink my two litres of filtered water and <laughs> bathe in a pool of crystal light. I get woken up by my toddler, you know, like barking like a dog or slapping <laughs> me on the face or, you know, flicking the lights on and off. Um, so, yeah, it, it is hard with kids and I think I used to really fight that. I used to really not resent it but I'd get annoyed. I'd be like, oh, this is – I can't get anything done, you know. My mornings are a shit fight. This is really annoying. Yeah. And now I've changed my mindset and I just think, you know what, you get – I actually get a good three hours with my kids before they go to school because yep. they wake up at five. So I, I think to myself, this is like the only time of day where you are fully present. You're not distracted by emails and phone calls coming in. This is the only time you get in the day with your kids. So I try and try and enjoy it and try to really relish it. Of course, that doesn't always happen either because sometimes, you know, you're just annoyed. You want them to eat their breakfast. You want them to get in the shower. You want them to get dressed. So it is definitely a balance. But I think one of the things that I try and do is I'm really conscious about the the language that I use. And I remember when I first had Huckabye, he's a toddler, I was always telling myself that I had to do things, like I had to go pick him up, I had to settle him, I had to put him to bed, I had to feed him. And just like constantly saying that to myself, it felt felt like to me that I was resenting, mm. you know, this beautiful baby boy that I had. So then I started saying I get to, I get to be with Huckabye, I get to play with Huckabye and I get to be around and I get to watch him grow up. And I think for me just just by changing those words, it shifted the focus from, you know, being of one of obligation to one of gratitude. That, that, that's a great tip just in itself, obviously being firstly aware of your language and then secondly, just shifting your focus on, on, on your perspective. It's, that's, that's really good, isn't it, for people? So if you're telling yourself a narrative about how your life should be, but it isn't, um, that, that's really the key to unhappiness. And I mean, you, you touched on something really, really great there, Adam, about changing your focus. And, you know, our brains can't think of something that's not there. So if I said to you, don't think of a Tim Tam, Like what's the first mental image that you get? Of course, it's a delicious chocolate-covered biscuit (laughs) that you want to, you know, dunk in your cup of coffee. So instead of thinking like, you know, don't worry about it or don't stress about it or um, don't do this, don't do that, I try and change my focus and I change my focus by asking myself 
different questions. Mm. And I've got I've got a really good example of that. Um, obviously, you probably know about the really bad bushfires that we had last yep. summer. And in my hometown of Mollymook, um, we had fires burning to the north of us, to the west of us, to the south of us. And I wasn't, you know, of course, with my experiences, I was bloody petrified. Mm. I was terrified. And I felt about as useful as a broken zipper on a wetsuit because I wasn't out, <laughs> wasn't out fighting any fires. I wasn't rescuing neighbours from nearby towns. I wasn't organising food jobs. I was heavily pregnant. I had a toddler at home, um, a toddler at home, and I was finding it hard just to keep the lid on my own emotions because, you know, once you let that panic genie out of the bottle, you've got zero chance of of squashing him back in. And I knew that. To navigate that really stressful time for me, what did I have to do? I had to be able to change my focus. And so I asked myself, like, what what could I be grateful for right now? What's one thing that I could do that would be positive? How could I be of service? How could I do something to give back to my community? And it was when I started asking myself those questions that a girlfriend and I, we came up with the uh, the social initiative spend with them. I don't know if you ever saw it, but it was a really simple idea. We would profile businesses on our Instagram page, which was spend with them. And that meant a business from a fire affected community could be profiled, then people from all over Australia and all over the world could find out about that business. They could buy something from that business, then they could support that local fire affected economy. They could boost town morale and they could put money in the hands of people who really needed it at the time. And that initiative went like it went pretty crazy. We had close to 200,000 followers in just a couple of days. And I think that whole experience for me, it really emphasized, you know, how important it is especially in times of fear or anxiety or stress, how important it is for us to be able to change our focus. Yeah, great tip, isn't it? Changing yeah. your focus. Yeah. yeah. And you touched upon another, I think, key element there towards happiness as well, and that's purpose um, and giving Ooh. to others. I, I do feel though there's a fine balance, isn't there? There's a lot of um, emphasis now on having a grand purpose, and that can lead to unhappiness because you think you have to have this grand effect on society, but just doing little things, like you said, just helping one person to start with can have a huge effect. Yeah. And I mean, as a parent, right, like as a mom, I feel like not to get too sappy, like, Mm. but my kids are, I guess my... Why? Yeah, a little bit, I guess, Mm. like they are my why. I want want to give them a really good life. But, you know, I try not to get too hung up on the idea of my life purpose because whenever I start thinking about it, I go into some sort of existential crisis and I think, I don't know, what is my life purpose? Like, am I, like, maybe I should be doing something else with my life. Like, how do I know, how do I know if what I'm doing is the right way to be using my skills and my time? So I just, you know, I keep it simple. I just think, like, do I like what I do? Do I enjoy what I do? Do I find it fun? Am I managing to give back to people? And I think if you can, you know, answer yes to most of those questions, then you, you know, you're on you're on the right track to finding out one of your life purposes. Because I don't think, you know, I think most of us don't have this overarching grand vision, mission statement, life purpose that you, you know, that you spoke about. And you don't need that, do you, to be happy? I don't know. I don't have one and I'm yeah. pretty happy. So you look I don't know. very happy, yeah. And you've yeah. written a book on happiness, which is fantastic. Um, I love your quote in the book where you say, the right mindset, anything is possible. Can you yeah. explain to people, uh, I suppose, what your definition of a healthy mindset is? 
Yeah, I guess it's just your attitude to life, right? It's how you approach challenges. It's how you approach problems. It's, you know, whether you've got the attitude of, yeah, you know, this is hard, but I can figure this out or, you know, this is hard or this is challenging, but I believe that I have the inner resources to cope with anything that life throws my way. So I think it's, you know, mindset for me, it's, it's more about your attitude and your approach to life. But I also want to temper that by saying, you know, we're all human and, you know, no one's perfect and, you know, I know I'm pretty cool but I'm, I'm far from perfect. <laughs> and I think, you know, I don't want people to berate themselves. I get too hung up on the idea of, you know, if sometimes they do feel really down or sometimes they are just having a shit day or sometimes they they have a fight with their partner and they know that they didn't act, you know, they weren't proud of how they acted in that moment. I think all of those things are okay because it's a reflection that, you know, we're all we're all human, we're all inherently flawed and and there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, so attitude is key. So how, how would you recommend people go about improving their attitude? Yeah, I guess there's lots of different things that they could do. I think, you know, like I mentioned, using different language. Mm -hmm. So, you know, instead of saying I have to go to work, reminding yourself that, you know, you get to go to work. It's a it's a really great opportunity. Instead of me saying I have to go do this interview, I can say, wow, what an awesome opportunity. I get to go do this interview with Adam and I get to talk about my new book. It's 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 amazing. So I think that's really helpful as well. And I also think you know, having something that we're working towards. I think when we make progress in our life, whether that's, you know, working towards uh, a really big goal of our that we have at in our workplace or trying to achieve our personal best in the gym or wanting to, to be a better parent or a better partner, I think if we've got things that we're working on and that we're making progress on, I think that helps us to be happier as well. I don't know if that really answered your No, it does, yeah. Question. I think it yeah. does. And I think, you know, you touched upon something else there, which I know that you're a big believer in is goal setting and having, you know, something to aim for in life. Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, my my position on goals has kind of turned around in the past five years or so because I do think it's really important to have a goal that you're working towards to have a direction that you're going in. But at the same time, if you get hung up on that every single day, it's very easy to feel demoralized Mm. and overwhelmed and like, well, why would I even bother? Because I'm so far away from that goal that I want to achieve. So there's, you know, it's, it, it can be quite demoralizing. You would probably know that with your fitness programs and everything, you know, if people want to want to have a really fit, uh, an athletic-looking body, they might be a fair way away from that. So if they just focus on that continuously, they might find that to be demoralising as opposed to inspiring. So I think it's you know it's great to have that vision or that that goal that you're working towards. And I know for me, doing an Ironman was one of my goals. But you've got to pair that back with reality and ask yourself, okay, if that's my goal, what's the work that I need to do today? What's the training session that I need to put in today? What what should I be eating today so that I can so I can get to that end point, so I can get to that to that vision. And try not to get too hung up on, I guess, the outcome mm. and just be focused on the results that you're getting now and the progress that you're making now. Yeah, perfectly articulated. The reality is like you said, it's great to have this grand vision of what you want to achieve, yeah. but developing the goals around habits on a daily basis is the key to success. 
yeah, and 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 you know, continuously checking in with your progress, but at the same time, understanding that progress isn't linear. You're not going to get better every single day. You probably know that from your, you know, your, your footy. You can't get better every single day. Some days are great, amazing. You hit your targets. You smash them out of the park. Next week you have a few shockers and you wonder, oh, maybe I should quit. Maybe I should retire. Like maybe I'm actually shit at this. So I think I think all of those are fine, but it's just reminding yourself that you've got to be putting in the work consistently. The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall. How do you develop the awareness that you have um, for the average person out there to listen to these conversations and be aware of the language you're using, which is negative? You know, um, people would be shocked, you know, the fact that you have over 70,000 thoughts a day and 95% of them thoughts are the same as the day before. And unfortunately, 90% of them are negative in general mm. behaviors and beha- and the way we speak to ourselves. How do people develop that awareness that you have? Is it through meditation? Is it through, you know, self-reflection? How have you got to this level? Yeah, I think a big part is writing. Mm. I I really love writing. I genuinely love it. So if I'm ever, uh, I guess if I'm ever just stuck in my head and and ruminating on a certain topic, I'll try and get my thoughts out of my head onto paper. There's actually been a lot of great research about um, about writing down your experiences and how they can be really cathartic, Mm. even if what you've written doesn't actually make a lot of sense. I think a lot of the time we get really hung up in our heads and it's only when we get it out of our heads onto paper that we can um, maybe process it a little more easily. But I also find for myself, you know, I'm the, I guess I'm the, the, the better version of myself if I am doing the basics like, you know, getting enough sleep, eating well, moving my body, having fun, you know, trying to enjoy my life, not getting too hung up on I'm being this super productive robot who's got to get everything done. If I can try and do all of those things, I find that I am a better version of myself. So I think that that helps me to be a little more aware. But, you know, if people wanted like an actual tangible actionable strategy that they could do right now, it would be really to start just by practicing gratitude. Mm. Even if you think, you know, I don't like some, you know, I don't have anything in my life that I'm grateful for. Try and think about it, whether it's, you know, whether it's your neighbor who you have little conversations with, whether it's your your health or, you know, having a heart that works or whether it's your kids. I know for me, my kids are often in my my gratitude practice, just marveling at, you know, this ability that we've got to to pass on our genes and our DNA to the to the next generation. I find that really, really fascinating. Um, so I think, yeah, starting starting with gratitude and asking yourself like what what are the opportunities that I have today that I could be grateful for? Who is in my life that I'm grateful for, whether it's your partner, your kids or your mum or a colleague at work? And just starting, starting from there, I think, like I said at the beginning, when you practice gratitude, that has been shown to help you develop a more positive mindset just by practicing gratitude. And it's so easy. It's like three minutes in the morning. Yeah, it costs nothing as well. Yeah. And then the other thing that I've picked up in our conversation so far is the fact that we need to show more empathy to ourselves, be kinder to yeah. ourselves, particularly with the language you use to ourselves and the description around ourselves. Yeah. And I mean, you know, for most parents, it's pretty easy, right? We, we, 
continually criticize and berate ourselves. And I always ask, like, would you speak like that to your kids? And 99.9% of us would not speak to that that way to our kids. I always tell it, tell people, like, try speaking to yourself how you would speak to your kids. If your kid lost a running race, would you say, well, you're hopeless. You should just give up now. You're never going to get anywhere. But we would often use that same tone with ourselves. So really just try and speak to yourself like you would speak to your kid or how you would, how you would speak to someone that you love. And confidence, you know, this is something that you're big in manifesting in people. How, how would you help somebody develop more confidence? Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty big, pretty big question. Mm-hmm. And um there's a lot of different things that we can do to make ourselves confident. I think we have this perception these days that how we look equals how confident we are. And, you know, I think if wearing cool gym clothes makes you feel more confident or if, you know, putting on some lipstick or um, that's not directed at you, Adam. Just, just <laughs> I'm not using Or getting a new haircut or <laughs> getting a money penny or, you know, or, um, or, you know, whatever vehicle you take to get there, I think it's worth it because I think there's so many things in our life that make us feel like shit, mm. like social media. So I think whatever we can do to make ourselves feel more confident, go for it, own it. But I also think, you know, don't buy into this this trap that how we look equals how confident we are because, of course, our appearance, that's one facet of what makes us confident. But there's a lot of other, other different things too. It's our relationships with other people. It's the goals that we're pursuing. It's how much we're giving back to our community. It's how we talk to ourselves. All of those things play a part in, in you know, helping us to build a, I guess, a more confident version of ourselves. Oh, you can speak better to it than anybody because, you know, before the accident, you know, you looked a particular way and then after the accident, you know, you look Mm. totally different. And, you know, like you said, unfortunately, life and the way society works is as we're being positioned to believe in our own brains that, you know, the way that we look externally is, you know, how beautiful we really are. So that would have been a huge mind shift challenge for yourself. Mm. How have you dealt with that? I think, to be honest, at the start, it was hard, right? Because I had a skin skinhead. I weighed about 40 kilograms. And when I looked in the mirror, I didn't look like the Tarea that I knew. I wasn't fit. I wasn't, didn't have my long hair. And I looked really, really different to how I thought I I should look or, or, or I did look. And I guess what I did is I just took baby steps. Like I would wear cool gym clothes at the gym when I'd have my mask on and my compression suit or I would get my toenails done or I would, um, you know, do a speech at a fundraising event and that make, made me feel really good about myself. And I think today when I look at, you know, all of the media that I've done and, you know, the, the magazine covers that I've been on, I'm actually really proud of it because I think it 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 moves the needle on what's, you know, on the fact that we all come in different packages, that mm. there's not this one conventional stereotype of what beautiful looks like, but there's a really vast range of what of what beautiful is. Yeah, and I think you epitomise the beauty of energy and attitude. Yeah, totally, yeah. You know, I think people, when they meet you, and that, that was the first thing I, I recognised about yourself was this beautiful energy you had, and people I mm. don't think are aware of the fact that how much their attitude, like we spoke about earlier, and their energy and their outlook has an effect on their external attractiveness. 
Yeah, totally. Oh, well, why, thank you, Adam. That's a very flattering compliment. No, but it's the truth. You know, you, you, you don't want to be around negative people then and we're drawn away from negative people subconsciously. And I don't think people put enough emphasis on what's happening inside to affect their outside attractiveness. Yeah, no, totally. Like if someone's smiling, they're happy, they're asking you how you're going, they're listening to what you're saying, they're engaged, they're energetic, then that is a very attractive person to be around. Yeah, exactly. And I always love freaking people out on my morning walk by saying, hello, good morning, hope you're having a great day. People think I'm a wacko, but anyway, people are afraid to go first, aren't they, really? In today's society, unfortunately, people have got their heads buried in mobile phones or, you know, they're so self-absorbed that they don't even give somebody the the, uh, the pleasure of saying hello and a smile. Yeah, and you know what? I'm I'm probably pretty bad at that. My um, my husband Michael is really good at talking to everybody and anybody. He'll chat with everyone, and I'm probably one of those people who can be um, potentially a, a little bit reserved, maybe. Yeah. Okay, so if I'm out there and I'm probably having a bit of a bad day, and all of a sudden I think it's a bad life. Apart from reaching out and grabbing your fantastic new book, what would you say to somebody that's listening today? Look, if you're having a shit day, there's a real power in just owning it and saying, today's shit, that's okay, tomorrow will hopefully be better. If for some reason you can't let it be a bad day, if you've got a work meeting on or you've got to go into a and do a big presentation or you're jumping on a, on a podcast interview with this sporty bloke. Um, there's lots of things you can do. You can have a cold shower. You can do five minutes of just push-ups or squats to change your physiology. You can do some deep breathing to reset you, so you can do that as well. But I also want your listeners to know that, you know, when you're having a bad day, that they do have the inner resources to be able to cope, that they are capable of, of of dealing with whatever life throws their way and that no one wants to go through a hard time and no one wants a hard time. But if the year of 2020 has taught us anything, I really think that it's only by going through hard times that we are strengthened and that we are fortified. So know that in the long run, it, long run, it, will, be, it will be beneficial for you. Um, in the book, you get to speak to some fantastic um, authorities. Um, what were some of the best takeaways and people you spoke to? Uh, I think probably I, I already mentioned Eddie Jacku, but I think his his take or his perspective on happiness was really great. It was really simple, like things like being grateful for the life that you've got and and investing in your relationships. But I think when those words come from someone like Eddie who survived the Holocaust, I think when they come from someone like that, yeah, it makes you take stock and really notice and really reflect on your own life. So I think he was probably, you know, if I'm being, you know, trying to think of who the coolest person was that I interviewed, it was definitely him. Yeah. What made you interview all these happy people and successful people? I guess I just wanted a more well-rounded approach, right? Because happiness is subjective. Like what makes me happy, you know, is probably very different from your meatball inducing, <laughs> you know, happiness food. So it's just that happiness is different for all of us. So I wanted to to get people's insights from, you know, Mick Fanning to Dr. Libby Weaver to Wim Hof. I wanted to get their insights on what, on what made them happy and, and see if that could, you know, relate to, to the wider audience, I guess. Was there a consistency amongst these people as far as what made them happy? Yeah, it was a, it was a sense of wonder and a sense of awe and a sense of gratitude for the life that they were living. I think that was the main, 
I guess, the main through line that I got from all of the people that I interviewed. Can you expand on that sense of wonderment and awe? Again, this sounds like something my grandma would say to me, but, you know, often we take our lives for granted, especially in the Western world. We take our opportunities for granted. We take might take our health for granted as well. And that's, you know, when you think about all of the things we have in our, in our daily lives, mobile phones that connect us to each other. We can speak to someone in Newcastle and, and see their face. We've got... Uh, a, a pretty good healthcare system in Australia, you know. Um, we, we're safe. We live in a democratic society. Uh, all of these things in our lives, which are so, they're so bloody awesome. And I think we often forget, we often forget that life wasn't always this this good for most of us. And I, so I think that's that would be the sense of wonder or the, I guess, the sense of awe that, that I got from a lot of the people that I interviewed. Fantastic. Anthony Robbins lives by the motto of change your physical state to change your mental state. Um, do you believe in that as well? Yeah, for sure. I think it's, you know, if you're feeling crap about yourself, you know, you drag your ass off to the gym three days a week and if you keep doing that for three weeks and maybe you don't feel so bad about your life and, you know, maybe you're feeling a bit stronger and a bit more in control and then you fast forward a couple of months and you you know you might be achieving personal best at your gym and you might find that you're doing your class without getting out of breath and all of those changes I think definitely make changes you know in your mental state as well and 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 how you feel about yourself and how you feel about your life so I really think that when you move your body whether whether that's going for a run or going to the gym or going for a surf whatever it is I think when you're moving your body that really helps your, I guess, your well-being and your mental, your emotional state. And breathing is something that's a, a commonality between a lot of people that are successful and happy. Um, are there any tips around different breathing techniques or meditation techniques that you've utilized yourself? Yeah, I mean, I talked about mindfulness in the book and I don't, I don't have a meditation practice. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I've never found one that I've managed to stick with. But I think that, you know, if I'm in the surf, for me, I'm mindful. I'm, I'm in the present moment. If I'm going for a run, mm-hmm. I'm mindful. I'm in the present moment. Or, if, you know, even if I'm playing with my son's Lego late at night after he's in bed, <laughs> for me, that's a mindful experience, mm-hmm. right? Because that's all I'm thinking about. I'm, I'm calmly following the instructions that someone has provided for me and, and I'm really in that present moment. So I think mindfulness is, is, is again, a really key part of, of you know, living a – a happier life and and trying to stay in the present moment. As for breathing, it's pretty, you know, whenever you feel stressed or anxious or angry, if you take 10 long and slow deep breaths, you'll probably feel a lot calmer. Mm. And, you know, that's a really easy, again, easy, effective and free way to manage your own emotions. Great advice. I'd like to ask a few quick, fast questions. Um, If you have a motto that you live by, what would that be? Consistency is key. It's really boring, but I think it works. So consistency as far as your habits go, your daily practices to be successful, is that the key? Is it consistency? Like with everything I do in my life, whether I'm training for a big run or trying to create something new in my business, just being consistent with it, trying to do trying to do it every day. You know, even with this book, that's how I did. I just wrote every single day. So just showing up is the key. Just showing up. Even if you have a shit session, just show up. If you got an opportunity to put a billboard in Times Square, what would it say? Uh, I don't know. 
<laughs> what would yours say? You tell me yours first. Um, if I had a billboard uh, for myself, it would just be kind. It would say kind? Just be kind. That would be it? Yeah, it would be okay. just be kind. I, I don't think there's enough kindness in the world these days. Okay, so mine would be undaunted. Undaunted. <laughs> yeah, so I got that off um, – I got that from the, the clearance divers, the, the, the Navy Special Force Arm. And I don't know who I heard it off, but they told me that that it was part of their motto. Forgot what the motto was, but I just remember the undaunted part. And I think that really resonated with me, right? Because, you know, we always talk about being fearless. And I think to me that that doesn't really resonate because I'm, I'm always afraid, you know, like there's heaps of things that I'm terrified of. There's heaps of things that I'm nervous about or that I'm anxious about. But I think undaunted means that, you know, you're recognising that you're fearful or that you're afraid or that you're stressed and you are proceeding ahead anyway or you're forging ahead regardless. So that would be mine, undaunted. Yeah. Courage is doing something when you're scared. Yeah, exactly. But now you can tell her this new word of undaunted. I love it, undaunted. Yeah. Absolutely love it. Um, a book that you would give to somebody, apart from your book, what would that book be? Look, my favourite book in the world is The Map That Changed the World. It's about a geologist who created the first geological map of the world. Um, I don't know if many people love geology as much as me, though, so <laughs> I don't know if I would gift gift that book <laughs> to someone. Um, what other book did I read that I found really life-changing? I read Eddie Jacku's book, The Happiest Man on Earth. I read it earlier this year when coronavirus hit. And for me, it was a really great read because it was a massive dose of perspective. It, you know, he, he survived the Holocaust and he considers himself to be the happiest man on earth. I interviewed him for my book, but I really loved his insights into what made what made a happy life. So that would be the book that I would give to someone. Fantastic. And what wisdom would uh, you give your younger self? Just the things that make you different or the things that make you stand out are the things that are going to make you special or, you know, extraordinary when you get older. So try and lean into those. Love it. And your go-to happiness food, what would that be? My go is this so this isn't my comfort food. Yeah. This is my happiness, happiness food. food. Yes. Uh brownies, but they're they're healthy brownies, right? So it's like mm. sweet potato, almond butter, um, oats, cacao, and then you just like mix it all together and you put it in the freezer. I had one before this interview. <laughs> they are they're they are amazing. <laughs> Well, once again, thank you so much, Taria. Your book's absolutely inspirational, as are you. And thank you once again. And hopefully um, we get to speak soon. Yeah, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Another amazing conversation on Health Hacker, Adam McDougall and Taria Pitt. Grab her book and also jump onto themanshake.com.au to get in touch with us and the show and request who you want us to hack into or what topic you want us to hack into on this podcast, The Health Hacker. Also, you can email thehealthhacker at themanshake.com.au and also hit up Adam directly via his Manshake socials. Until the next episode, stay healthy. The Health Hacker, written and presented by Adam McDougall. Produced and presented by Alex Mitchell. Listener. Walmart Plus members save on Meeting Up With Friends. 
Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.